I'm going to talk about that clip in just a minute, but I was standing back there, and Pastor, I, can, I kept feeling these tears coming up in my eyes. Now, let me talk over here, because something wrong over there. But anyway, I felt these tears coming in my eyes because I haven't preached in a long time. And when he called and asked me to come and minister today, I thought maybe, God, I was dried up. <laughs> but you gave me an ignitement that caught me into a word <laughs> and began to prepare. But I want you to know that before I can preach one word today, Pastor Kay and, and Pastor Felix, I ask for your forgiveness for anything I may have done or said that was not honoring to God as I left this ministry. But I love y'all. But God said transition. And it was a hard transition, but I had to obey God. But I ask for your forgiveness if something I didn't do right, didn't say right, didn't act right, that you would forgive me because I can't live without repentance in my heart. I can't go to the next place and serve if I can't close this section. Right. Because I need y'all to pray for me as I transition. I need a praying church. Because I won't have a church right away. So I need a praying church. That if I need to pick up the phone, I can call you and say, y'all better pray for me. All right. So I love y'all. I thank you for uh, allowing me to be here this morning and to embrace me with your love. Now, let me tell you something. I got paper. I got iPad. Because if iPad stopped working, I got my notes. I'm trying to get cute with this thing. But so I done seen too many pastors get up and talk about, and I'm going, and I'm, hey, well, it ain't working. I say, well, you didn't know nothing. It ain't working. But anyway, um, I just thought I better have my little notes this morning. War Room. The theme of my message this morning is War Room. It was funny as we prayed this morning, Arlene began to tell the leadership team, y'all need to go see this movie. That movie changed me in such a way. I thought I knew what prayer was until I went and saw that movie. Broke me saying, you pray sometimes, <laughs> but you ain't praying So we've got to get there. Y'all, when she say take everybody you can get there, 
It's got a ring on the mic. Take everybody you can get there to see that movie. It will impact you and cause your prayer life to increase. And I was so excited when, you know I've been getting the phone calls, Pastor. You know you got congregation to tell everything. Girl, we praying over there. Pastor's teaching on prayer. We're increasing our prayer lives. I said, hallelujah, it's about time. Because prayer is so critical in this day and in this hour. Well, my preaching idea, I did still try to, you know, do. I want to be a good girl. My preaching idea is the place where spiritual battles are won. In the war room. You can't fight spiritual battles outside of the war room. I don't know why this is ringing, but it is ringing. I just want you to know this might be my last sermon in this location as I transfer to a new region. As I go from here to the Nashville, Tennessee area. And Pastor was so right when he said, I'm leaving my kids, hallelujah. Grandkids, great-grands, and y'all's kids. I'm leaving the kids. Because at some point, you got to have a life. God told us to bring them into the world, raise them up, and then let them go. But some of us still holding on. And so I'm getting ready to let go since they won't let go. I'm leaving. <laughs> and next time I come back, I might have my man. Hallelujah. Somebody lift them hands and tell him thank you. Won't God do it? Yes, he will. Hey, get that stress off of you. You don't hurt as much. I work out three, four times a week because I'm getting myself in shape. Y'all know what I'm talking about with y'all Pentecostal looking self. I ain't broke down. And it ain't over. Okay, I'm supposed to talk about prayer. I'm going to do that. I know. I'm going to be high-stepping too. When he, hallelujah. Y'all ain't seen no shout to that one. Girl. Pastor Jim Sibola, who I admire, I like and Pastor Bill Hybels. I've read a lot of their books on prayer. But Pastor Jim Simla has 12 to 15,000 people coming on Tuesday night for prayer. That's why his church is where it's at today. He had a wife 
he has a wife, not had a wife, has a wife, but never had any musical talents, couldn't read music, couldn't do anything, but they got in their war room and began to pray. And Brooklyn Tabernacle Choir is one of the well-known uh, Grammy award-winning choirs in the country. But I went there to his church because I heard about his prayer ministry. The children are in one room praying. The babies are in a room praying. And the adults from every tribe of every nation of every tongue is in the sanctuary praying. All on one accord. They pray for requests that you get when you walk in the door. They turn to their neighbor and they pray those requests together. Then they pray for one another. Pastor Simla gets up and he gives a brief word, little sermonette, and then all the elders stand in front of the altar and people come down for individual prayer. When I went there, I was the last person to leave the building. I had a team that I took on a mission field trip to New York City before they could leave the country. And as I sat there and I watched and I listened to people praying in their native tongues, the power of God fell so that you were paralyzed and you could not leave the sanctuary. Prayer. Prayer the place where spiritual battles are won. Jesus. I want to talk to you today about something so simple, but yet so vital. It's so familiar to us that it is dangerous. I pray that by the grace we can have fresh communion with God. The atmosphere of our Father's house is prayer. The church was born out of prayer, if you go back to Acts chapter 2. It was born out of prayer. But the atmosphere of our Father's house is prayer. Now my text this morning is from Psalms 18, verses 32 to 36. And I'm reading from the English Standard Version this morning. It says, the God who equipped me with strength and made my way blameless, he made my feet like the feet of a deer and set me secure on the heights. He trains my hands for war so that my arms can bend a bow of bronze. You have given me the shield of salvation, and your right hand supported me, and your gentleness made me great. You gave me, gave a wide place for my steps under my feet, under me, and my feet did not slip. This is a song to the Lord from David, 
when he was rescued from the hands of his enemies and from Saul. Because Saul was in hot pursuit of David. In verse 3, David said, I called upon the Lord who is worthy to be praised. And I am saved from my enemies. Now, when he talks about I called upon the Lord, he didn't dial a telephone number and say, Hello, Lord, I'm just calling you to tell you I got some enemies. He called upon the Lord with intensity and tenacity because he knew if God couldn't do it, he couldn't get through this situation. That he had to seek the Father for help in order to win these battles. When David cried for help, the Lord heard his voice because his cry to him reached the ear of God. So many times we call everybody else up about our trials and our tests that we're going through, expecting them to give us answers on whatever situation we're dealing with. But David didn't call his mama. David didn't call his daddy. David didn't call his other warriors. He called on the name of the Lord. And it says when he began to pray that the words reached the ear of God. <laughs> oh, Jesus. God rescued David from his enemies. For they were too mighty for him. There are some things in your life that you just can't solve. Because it's too mighty for you. Some things are too mighty for me. He dealt with David according to his righteousness. Well, in James 5 and 16 it says the prayer of the righteous availeth much. And that was according to the cleanliness of his hands. My hands he rewarded. The prayers of the righteous. Everybody's prayers ain't getting to the ear of God. Because some of y'all pimp God. Oh, look how y'all looking. God, if you just do this. If you could just answer this prayer for me. God, I, you know I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to live right. I'm going to do right. And God works the thing out. And then y'all forget that God was ever in the prayer room with you. And you go back to praying every once in a while. But I think the word says we to pray without. I think y'all know something. I'm not here to talk you down. But I pray to build you up. I have three points. See how good I, you taught me? Okay, I have three points. I wasn't here for nothing. I learned something while I was here. The first point is that prayer is essential for the church. And the church is not this building. The church is The church 
is those that say that they love the Lord their God with all their heart, soul, and mind, that have been saved, sanctified, filled with the Holy Ghost, that are willing to serve God in any way that God predestines for you, and you have the audacity not to pray? We got to pray. You want to see God do signs and wonders and miracles in your life. And when he's doing it in your life, don't you know when you come up in this house to praise and worship God together, prayer ignites and something begins to stir in the atmosphere that will change the course and the enemy cannot get in here to distract you from doing what God says. I like prayer. I told uh, Chantel in the back room, I said, Chantel, when he called me and asked me to preach, and I said, what you preaching on? I was a little scared, because that meant I only had two days to get together. But when he said prayer, I said, oh, God, hallelujah. That's something I can pray, talk about. Because I know what it is to get on my knees and talk to God when there ain't nobody else around but me and him and pray and cry out to him and see him move on my behalf. Don't you know I'm standing here looking good because of prayer? Prayer did this. The doctors didn't do it. It was prayer. so bad when when I reached up to God and said God you got to fix me I know what a war room is the first thing I did in every house I move in is I got a prayer room it's so good in my house that my grandkids know the prayer room they know when we go in the prayer room, something getting ready to happen up in here. I had two dogs. I gave one away. I'm getting ready to give the other one because I ain't going to feed no dogs either. I'm leaving everything behind. But they had the nerve to get on their knees next to me. I'm not on their knees, stretched out next to me, and they knew I was praying. So you can set the atmosphere of your house. When it's time to pray, everybody shut up, or them demons will run. I have an older grandson. He's 22, and he think he a man, but he yet a baby. I hope you ain't watching this on the thing, but he's yet a baby. The other night, I got to praying so loud in my house. He was slamming doors, shutting doors. I said, either you're going to join me or you're going to run. You're not going to tell me what to do in my but I'm leaving him too. Because you need to understand, not only has God called me for another assignment in a region, but he said my children need to find God as their Lord and not just as their Savior. You give them too much. I don't, now, this isn't just throwing it ain't in my notes. We give them too much. Then they can't stand on their own two feet and live this life as a soldier for the Lord, because they're depending on you to fight their battles. It's time for our children to get to prayer, get on their knees, and begin to talk to God for themselves. 
teach them to pray. If they don't like your praying in your house, tell them to get out, but you're praying up in here. Prayer changes things, y'all. Lord, I got to hurry up. I got much to say. Matthew 21 and 13 says, God equipped you for prayer. For in his word, he states, my house, oh Jesus, shall be a house of prayer. But you have made it a den of thieves. If you ain't praying in your house, we know the text talks about him going into the temple and, and they were, you know, cheating. <laughs> Y'all ain't cheating in the house of God. But some folks were not doing right and selling stuff, benefiting off the people. But I'm talking about this house this morning. This house shall be a house of prayer. And if you're not praying, that means you're doing something that you're allowing thieves on the inside to rob you of your time with God. I believe that is both physical and supernatural. Where is your war room? What does it look like? And how often do you use it? Your war room is a place of connection with the Father. Not just to petition him, but also to hear him. Lord, give me ears to hear what the Spirit of God is saying to the church. Me. Revelations 2 talks about it, but God, give me ears to hear what the Spirit is saying to me. The first room I said I set up is my prayer room. I can war against the wiles of the enemy. When I'm frustrated and I'm, and I'm in distress, especially with myself, or them children's children's children, I'm learning that talking to others about stuff they can't help me with is a waste of time. So I go to God in prayer, and you have to be persistent. You can't just pray today and think it's going to be fixed today. Sometimes God's timing is not like our American timing that we think when I pray it ought to be something happening right that very second. Sometimes God won't move until he knows you are intense about this thing and that you're on your knees praying and crying out, help me God, until there is a breakthrough. Well, God, I've been praying 24 days. You ain't said nothing yet. I'm tired. What happened if God got tired on you? War room. The place where spiritual battles are won. This battle, and I'm telling you now, I'm learning that all my battles, according to 2 Chronicles 20 and 15, it says, this battle is the Lord's. Do not be afraid or dismayed by reason of great multitudes, for the battle is not yours, but it's the Lord. See, I can take anything in that war room and bring it before God and war in my spirit. Sometimes I get to praying up in there and praying so hard that I go into another language. He says, even when you don't know what to pray for, He'll give you moanings and groanings. I don't know what I'm saying, but I know I'm praying to the master. 
So the battle sometimes is not yours. Number two, you must be equipped for the war. I've never known of soldiers going into battle unequipped. They've got their garments on. They've got their weapons. And they know they're going in for a particular assignment. They're going into war to kill the enemy. All of your troubles, all of your circumstances, all of your things that keep you uh, in a mental turmoil is caused by the enemy. So your battle ain't against me. It ain't against your children. And it's sure not against your husband or your wife. But the battle is against the enemy that's taking control over the situations that are frustrating you. You have not fight with this battle in the flesh because it's spiritual. You must be trained. For war. Verse 34 of the text says, He trains my hands for war. I like this. David was in a position that he could bend the bow of bronze. Now, bronze is a, consists of primary copper, other metals such as arsenic, phosphorus, and silicone. It's a heavy metal. His hands were trained for warfare. Not only natural warfare, but spiritual warfare. For when he cried out to God for help, his hands were folded. His elbow of bronze was bent, and he called on the Lord. So you need to understand, you are equipped for war, all you got to do is take a hold of the hands that God has given you. Get yourself in the war room, in a position that you can pray. Fold your hands. Automatically, when I fold them, what happened? My elbows are bronze, bent. And when I get down on my knees, the war begins. <laughs> you got to be ready for this fight. Bent. And the bronze became his instrument to fight in the spirit. Two great stories. I'm just going to hit. Oh, Lord. Real quick. Two men that I know battled in war in the word of God. One was Hezekiah, 2 Kings 20. He was getting ready to die. Sickness had overtaken his body. But he got on his knees and he cried out to God with intensity, with assurance. He wasn't praying with, well, maybe you will, God. I don't know if you can. I hope you do, God. But he was praying in a way that God heard his prayer and gave that brother 15 more years of life. And there's another one, you know, in Daniel chapter 9. I love this story. I read this one often. I loved it because when I read it, that's why God said you got to repent and get some things right. Because Daniel was not only praying for Israel, he was praying for himself. And he began to cry out to God, said he prayed so hard till the brother was coming out for his stuff. 
His clothes was coming off. He was praying. He was drenched in sweat because he was praying so hard. And then Michael the angel comes and tells him, brother, the first time you open up your mouth to pray, God got it and he's already sending back an answer. The enemy could not stop the prayer because his heart was in the right place because he was a righteous man of God and God heard the prayer not only on his behalf but on the behalf of Israel. What do you think is going to happen, RCF, when y'all truly show up for prayer? Truly, come on one accord and quit making excuses about why I can't get to the prayer meeting. If any meeting in the house should be packed out, it should be the prayer meeting. It's got to be the prayer room. This is a war room right here in the church, in the sanctuary. So when you go to the war room, be the example. Be the example of David. Fold your hands, bend your elbow, and kneel before the Lord your baker. Number three, position yourself to win. I'm not going in the war room to pray, and I ain't coming out of winning. I'm going in there to win. I like the text. You know, you read the Bible, and a lot of times it talks about the right hand of God. When a person is placed on the right hand of someone in high ranking, and you can't get any more higher than with God, he has equal honor, he has equal dignity and authority, and this was given to David. He was given the power and the authority to subdue his enemies. Don't you know God will do that for you in the prayer room? The war room. I wanted that mother in the movie to pray the entire movie. She was praying. Things were happening. Prayer changed the lives of a married couple in that movie. You going through with your loved one? <laughs> Quit using these lips for everything but prayer. Pray over him. Pray over her. Pray and watch God take the battle and win it for you. I mean, when the doctors told me that's all we can do, you're going to probably have this condition of your nerve problem the rest of your life. I said, the devil is a liar. When I call on God, if he did something for me back when I was a stupid saint, ignorant, didn't have nothing going on, didn't know the power of prayer. I had a gr praying grandfather, praying grandmother, praying mother. But me, I hold on to their prayer. No, you got to pray for yourself. You cannot pray and think you're going to get on somebody else's prayer chain. Got some questions and I'm about done. Leaders, how are you doing God's work? Are you leading 
without prayer? Do you pray after you get into turmoil? As a leader, you should enter the war room before the turmoil begins and persevere in prayer until God responds. I think I said this a long time ago. But leaders, if you ain't in the prayer room, look how y'all looking. Don't expect the church to be in the prayer room. Oh, y'all silent now. Y'all was hollering a minute ago. Hallelujah. Preach, pastor. But you have got to be the leader of the prayer in this church. In any church. Pastors, leaders, children's workers, youth. What y'all call yourself now? Yeah, y'all. You should be the first ones on the altar. But you want somebody to pray for you when you're going through. You know what I tell folks now? Pastor, would you pray for me? I say, you praying to God? Well, I don't pray to I say, well, I can't pray for you. You got to take some responsibility for yourself to pray. Let me tell you, when I found out that I didn't have to go talk to everybody else and I could just talk to God about prayer, things started moving for me. I don't have to come and tell you all of my personal agenda. And when people come asking you for prayer, quit asking them what the problem is. Just pray. Y'all just want to be nosy. I did. Tell me so I know how to pray for you. <laughs> Quit it. You're just manipulating them folks to tell you their business. God already knows the source of the problem, so just pray. Just pray. Go to the hospital room. You don't have to know what the problem was. Just pray. Go to the nursing home. Pray. Go to the pastor's house. Pray. He needs prayer. Pray. I'm serious. Pray. Y'all don't know the work of a pastor. It's hard. Many times when I was passing my own church, I said, These, oh, I was going to say something bad. <laughs> Thank you, Holy Ghost. Oh, these people were my nerves. I was like Moses, these your kids. You do something with them. No, them your, no, God, they yours. But when you're in trouble, pray. Lost, pray. Uncertain, pray. Misunderstood, pray. Rejected, pray. Sick, pray. Kids out of order, pray. Lost your job, pray. Depressed, pray. Headache, pray. Frustrated, pray. Today you got to pray for every situation that comes in your life because you are the church. Pray. Get on your knees and pray. Now if you can't get on your knees because... Sometimes I can't get up. 
You can walk and pray. You can lay prostrate and pray. You can stand still and pray. You can sit in your seat and pray. But this church should be so full with intercessors. That should be your lifestyle. Pray. Today, repent. Ask for forgiveness. And allow God to ignite your prayer life. I was in a place recently that I couldn't pray. Jesus, I didn't want to pray. It seemed like everything was just closing in on me. God, how am I going to make it? God, what you going to do with my kids? God, I can't take this no more. I didn't want to pray. And let me tell you something about God's grace and sovereignty. He's so good, he'll let you not pray. You hear what I'm saying? It got to the point I didn't want to go in no prayer room, so I didn't. I didn't pray. Because I was overwhelmed with life. But when I used my hand and I bent my bronze elbows, you know they bronze, they bronze elbows, and I got on my knee, the Lord ignited prayer back in me. First Timothy 2, 8 says, therefore, I want the men everywhere to pray. Lifting up holy hands without anger and disputing. Men of God. When Paul was talking to Timothy, who was getting ready to go into his work as an evangelist of the gospel. He says, I want men. How many of y'all pray with your wife? Pray with your children. Cover your household in prayer. See, men, when you get in the right place of praying to God, everything else in your life and in your house and in your kids is going to line up with God. Men, you ought to have been clapping, not the women. I said, when you get in your right place and start praying over your household, Praying for your wife, praying for your children. The enemy going to stop attacking your family because he's going to say there's too much prayer up in here and I cannot get through and cause issues in this family anymore. Men, you've got to take your rightful place and you've got to pray like you've never prayed before. It's not only marijuana taking your kids. Look how y'all looking. Y'all allowed it in. Uh, Were you praying? Did you come together on one accord and say, we ain't going to let this happen in our state? No, your mouth's been shut too long. God needs to hear your voice again in the heavenly realms. Because when you pray, God moves, but we weren't praying, so God let what happened 
happen. We got same-sex marriage. How often did you pray? Look how y'all looking. You got to pray. That's the only way revival is going to happen in the church. That's the only way it's going to happen, not just in the natural building, but in you. No great music, no great preaching, but prayer is how revival begins. The church is in need of a revival. The church in me is in need of a revival. The greatest thing that you can do today is pray. Awaken church. The largest meeting in the church should be the prayer. If prayer is so great, then every leader, every musician, every usher, every teacher, every family, every children should be attending prayer here at RCF. And those that are watching, get to your church and pray. See, a couple that prays together stays together, and a church that prays together stays together. We wouldn't have lost some folks if we was up in here praying. Oh, I just got hot on that one. Do you understand? If we had been around the altar praying, there wouldn't be no exit doors. There would just be entrance, entrance, entrance. Lord, I'm about done. Five more minutes, I'm out of your face. We have made the sermon the centerpiece and not the throne of grace where lives are changed. Let me say that one more time. We've made the sermon the centerpiece and not the throne of grace where lives are changed. You had not because you asked not. It's going to be on the words on some of the tombstones of your grave. The war room, the place where spiritual battles are won. John Hagee said, prayer is the most unutilized tool in America. But where two or three are gathered in my name, prayer works. Thanks for listening to this week's message. We hope that you can find a way to impact the community around you through this church or a local church around you. We also encourage you to find a church to get connected to, whether that's here at RCF or somewhere close to you. If you want to find out more about RCF, visit rcfministries.org or watch us live on Sundays at 9.30 a.m. on the RCF Network. Thanks for listening.